You're listening to How to SaaS, the number one podcast to grow your cloud software company with marketing, sales, and customer success in just 10 minutes a day. Each episode will feature a tip, hack, or secret to take your SaaS company to the next level. And now, here's your host and growth strategist, Shiv Narayanan. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode. I've actually got a different kind of an episode for you today. Uh, My guest is Tucker Max, who is a best-selling author. He's had several books spend years on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, You may have heard of some of his books, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell, Sloppy Seconds, uh, Assholes Finish First. He's had some really big books on that list but uh and then since then he's actually started a company called book in a box which helps uh, anybody interested in creating a book find ghostwriters and they have a whole process that they take you through to get your book out there from your head onto paper and published uh so initially i was going to bring him on to talk about why SaaS companies should be writing books uh, because they've done a lot of books with SaaS companies uh, as part of their book in a box uh, product. But as him and I started talking, I've already had on episode two of How to SaaS, if you check it out, uh, Donald Cowper talks about the value of writing books. He's uh, He wrote the Fresh Books book called uh, Breaking the Time Barrier. So uh, as Tucker and I were discussing what other possible topics we can talk about, we actually stumbled upon some uh, the topic of how to manipulate the media and, and how to build a PR machine because that's that's uh, an expertise of his. Uh, he worked very closely with Ryan Holiday in his book, Trust Me, I'm Lying. Uh, if you are familiar with Ryan Holiday, he's uh, he's the one that really talked about the fact that the media can be so easily manipulated, and, and Tucker Tucker has a lot of experience in that area. So so we dig really deep. We talk about Donald Trump, surprise, surprise, just because a lot of the things that he's been doing to manipulate the media, and what companies can learn from this to figure out what to do with their own PR activities and, and, and day-to-day day-to-day work so have a listen it's super interesting it's a little different like i said we're, we spent a lot of time in the clouds and and try to completely understand what uh building a pr machine means what the media actually responds to and media cares about uh and then at the end we slowly transition into what you can take away uh for your day-to-day activities uh and that's it enjoy the episode All right, Tucker. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, thanks for being on. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, and then we'll take it from there. So I'm Tucker Max. I wrote a bunch of books that spent like almost a decade on the bestseller list. I hope these are beer in hell, assholes finished first, etc. They sold three-ish million copies. Um, then did a bunch of angel investing, got into Slack and Palantir and a few other companies like that. And now I run, I started and run a company uh, called Book in a Box, where we turn ideas into books. And with Book in a Box, you're really just trying to bring the same process and thinking that got you onto the bestseller list so many times and trying to help other writers do the same? Uh, you know, actually not. It's, it's a, a lot of people think that. But yep. um, So I was writing books about like entertainment, right? And they were incendiary and they were controversial. And I really kind of like used my ability to manipulate media to get attention from my books. Uh, the stuff I do now is very different. It's much more business oriented. It's much more helping professionals or software companies or whoever turn their ideas, like the stuff they already know, into a book so they can use that book to get the type of attention they want. Right. So book in a box is more of you know straight and narrow, keeping it uh, completely right. honest. But you, you use an interesting right. term there, manipulate the media and 
with Donald Trump doing something new every day, think it's a relevant topic, right? So maybe he, he's very good at manipulating the media. Yeah, yes. exactly. He gets more coverage than anybody else. So talk a little bit about that. All right. So so what 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 Trump does is that he basically forces the media to cover. He creates a false controversy and forces them to cover the controversy, right? So, like, for example, it's really crazy. It's He's, he's one of the best I've ever seen at this. Um, uh, I did it a little bit, but nothing like him. What he'll do is he'll say something or do something, but usually say something that is considered inappropriate or wrong to say, and then he will, or he'll go attack somebody. Like, he loves to attack Rosie O'Donnell, but it doesn't really matter, like, He'll make things up. Like, for example, the whole thing uh, uh, about Sweden, right? Like, they're mm-hmm. saying there's stuff in Sweden, and he just on and on and on. Like, you can, there's 50 things a week, it seems like. He makes things up. And so what that does is that forces the media to cover the lie. And then the, contra- no, or the, 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 the half-truth. And then the controversy becomes, is he telling the truth or not? So he's already won the debate, right? Do you, you understand? If someone, he, like... Uh, if someone is is talking about whether or not you uh, what you say is right or wrong, you've won because you have set the frame for the debate. Let me give you a great example. Yeah, how have you won? Explain that. Okay, because I'll give you a great example. So, um, why have you never denied killing uh, that hooker? <laughs> No, no, but like you're like, what are you talking about? Like, no one's ever accused me of that. And it's like, oh, are you sure? I don't know. I'm not. You've never denied it. And then it's like, what? Now, now the idea in everyone, everyone's head is, oh, did he or did he not kill that woman? Which is preposterous. I literally made it up. Right. But I, I set the frame, and the frame is, did you or did you not kill that woman? And so now the idea that you have killed the woman is the debate, right? And what is the value so, of that? Uh, so. Uh, now, accusing random people of killing people does not really have a huge value. I was doing that to show you how setting frames controls the media narrative. That's what Donald Trump does. He constantly sets the frame. So he'll talk about something in Sweden, and the media will be like, this is made up. This is all untrue. Look at this. And so he'll then say something else. No, 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 it's true because of this. And the media are liars. And guess what? Look at this other thing. And so he constantly creates the frame, and the media are constantly following him and chasing that frame. Now, he chooses to do this with controversy, right? But it doesn't have to be controversy. You can be, you can be a company that does this in a positive way. Like, you can set the frame in a positive way. Well, I'll give you a great example. So, um, let's take uh, the immigrant crisis. Like, when, when Trump... Um, uh, uh, basically banned like seven uh, Muslim countries from uh, yeah. coming in the country or some horrible, whatever horrible thing he did. Mm-hmm. There are two huge tech companies, Uber and Airbnb had totally different responses. Airbnb set their frame immediately. What did they do? They said, we are going to give free housing to whatever it was. Anyone, uh, uh, anyone displaced by this, right? Mm-hmm. They, they didn't wait to set the plan They didn't wait to figure out the details. I don't even know if they've done it, to be honest. And I'm not accusing them of not doing it. Um, uh, Like, I know Joe a little bit. He's a great dude. I'm sure they've done amazing things. That's Joe Gabbia. Yeah, 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 Joe Gabbia. No one even knows whether they've done it or not. The point is, they immediately staked their frame in that debate. 
right? Right. We're going to help people. And they didn't even talk about actually the immigration or not. Like, they might be Trump voters. Who knows? Probably not. But the fact is, they're like, we're going to help people who are hurt, right? So now they're like, oh, Airbnb is so nice. What did Uber do? Uber ran, like, the taxi drivers in JFK protested because most of them are immigrants, right? Okay, fine. What did Uber do? Uber rushed a bunch of cars out there to scoop up the business. Now, from a capitalist perspective, I don't blame them. But what did that happen? They unintentionally set the frame that Uber's evil. Uber is the evil, evil, monopolistic, capitalistic, awful robber baron, which is a frame that everyone thinks about them anyway because of multiple things they've done in the past, right? What Uber could have done, they could have done their equivalent of Airbnb. Anyone stuck, they could have just followed Airbnb and said, anyone stuck at any airport in the country, we will give a free ride to their free Airbnb. And now they've, all of a sudden, the frame is, look at how nice Uber is. But instead, they, they didn't try and set a frame, and so someone else set the frame for them. Mm-hmm. And they, oh, look at how evil Uber is. They made money over these taxi guys. So, you, you see what I'm saying? So what you're saying is the person who sets the frame gets to dictate the agenda or the direction the media is taking. They're picking the, the, battle, the ground of the battle. So any, like, to use a military metaphor, every general will tell you the battle is won uh, basically by, uh, the, the battle's determined by who gets to pick the ground. Mm-hmm. So, so by setting the frame, you are picking the ground, right? You're picking, you're, you're picking a hill to defend and someone's got to come uphill to that. No one's going to beat you. Right. But Uber's like letting other people pick the, the ground because they're too focused on other things. They don't think this way. They don't do a good job with this. So, so what's, what's the value of that? Like Donald Trump today, he just uh, banned CNN, New York Times, Politico, and LA Times from the White House briefing room, right? So right. That, that's he's obviously on the wrong side of this. It's obviously negative press. So uh, no, is, no, it's not. It's very positive press. So, 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 uh-huh. so explain that because I think that's central to your point, which I think people so, listening would be like, well, that doesn't make sense. So here's what Trump's doing. He's setting the frame that media are against him and they're biased, and he. Th- his counterframe, the media's frame to, to, to Trump is fake news. Like, that's one of the very power, powerful frames that media have used to try and combat Trump. Oh, fake news, right? So Trump's counter, Trump doesn't argue whether uh, it's fake news or not. He sets a counterframe. His counterframe is your fake news. And, and, uh, and then so everything they do that's, that's suspicious at all, and the CNN and New York Times have done plenty that you can look at and be like, what the hell is this? This is nonsense, right? This is not objective journalism. Uh, they've done more than enough uh, to where he can at least make the argument, right? And so he resets the frame now. I am banning fake news from the White House, right? And, and that's actually, I'm pretty sure that's what he said. That he, he's banning uh, news outlets that, that aren't objective or don't cover fairly. And then like CNN and, and, and New York Times. So now the debate, he's reframed the debate. New York Times now has to defend themselves about being fake news or not, right? So now he's won that debate, especially when you consider, here's the thing. People who are believe in the New York Times, he's never going to win them. Right. Like, so he doesn't even argue to them. People who are on his side, what he's doing is he's reinforcing to his side and the people in the middle that he's right. That's the only people he's arguing to. He's not trying to argue to the whole people. He's only talking to his tribe and the people that go back and forth, you know, like that aren't in a tribe. So you're saying he's trying to polarize the masses 
and trying to appeal to his audience. And in the process, the people that are in the middle, he's hoping his frame wins so that more of them are on his side. He is setting a frame that the people on his side will believe in and will will, will look at and can say, yeah, I believe in Trump and, and I believe in this frame. It is a competing frame. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to... Notice how we're not sitting here debating the facts about whether or not right. it is fake news or not. Because because it, the, the facts don't matter. That's not how people make decisions. That's not how people decide who their identity, what their identity is, who they're going to believe in, and what they're going to do. Everyone likes to think they use facts to make the decisions. It's extremely rare for someone to actually look at the facts objectively and make a decision based on the facts. Like almost it, it, everyone first asks, "Who am I?" How does this decision like influence who am I? Because everyone wants to say uh, very um, uh, 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 coherent with their identity, right? If I'm a Republican, I make Republican decisions. If I'm a Democrat, I make Democrat decisions, right? Which is why there's so many great studies about this dude. You can literally, like, they've been done. There's so many of them where someone will present, strip out all the sort of... Um, uh, framing around it and just present like policy facts to a Democrat and policy facts to a Republican, and they'll agree like 99% of the time, some crazy amount of time, like more than 90%. The Republicans and Democrats will agree with policy facts, like, okay, based on these facts, this is the clear policy. But as soon as you frame a policy as uh, a, a, like, okay, Democrats support this policy, Republicans will shift, like, they will argue against the facts they just accepted. To now reinterpret that as being a negative policy because they know a Democrat likes it, and vice versa. Right? People make decisions based first on their identity, then on how it impacts them personally. Right? Like how, how does it mess with their money and their status? Uh, those are the two things. What 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 tribe am I in? How does this impact my status in that tribe? That's how people think. And so what Trump is doing is setting frames so that his tribe can can have a morally an intellectually defensible position. And secondly, he's trying to break the other frame so that the people in the middle will think his frame's better. Right. And I'm going to ask one more clarifying question because everything you're saying makes sense to me um, because I think we have points of agreement here. But just, just for the audience, like by barring four major news publications, you're, you're effectively taking a position of being against free press. So, no. And, and no, no, no. See, that's the frame they're arguing. That's the frame. His frame is yeah. they're not a legitimate press. They're not press. They, like, and, and the proof they're not a legitimate press is that he barred them from the White House. Like, I, like that. that's the thing. But what's funny is, what's funny, I'm not a Trump supporter, so don't make this like uh, of course, whatever. Of course, of uh, course. But, but like what's funny is, is like, if you if you demand that the New York Times prove they're a free press or like a, like an objective journalistic source, they will balk and freak out and and get super upset, which is the number one tell for the fact that that they are not, right? So even if they are, even if they are objective, and I really don't think they are because I don't think the idea of objectivity in media is nonsense. It is a lie. It is a fiction that people sell, right? But but that's that's what Trump is essentially selling. He's saying, you are not objective. You pretend to be objective and you're not, right? And so, that, and, and so what people see, think of this. If I'm, if I'm a, a, a borderline Trump supporter and I see Trump barring them from the White House, they say free press. He says, 
no, fake news. And I'm like, hmm, well, you know, and, and I think about New York Times, I think about Jason Blair, I think about all these things, the New York Times, the New York Times in, uh, b- back in the Iraq War, like all these things uh, the New York Times has done. It's like, eh, well, he might be extreme, but yeah, maybe he has a point, you know, like they, they bullshit a lot, you know, and especially if I'm borderline Trump person, all I hear from the New York Times is a bunch of moralizing and lecturing and bullshit. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in a position where I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, you know. And so even if I don't agree with Trump, the, when two frames compete, the stronger one breaks the weaker one and subsumes it, right? Now in this case, it, it it's not obvious to me which is the stronger or the weaker. But that's the thing is Trump doesn't have to win everybody. He only has to win the people. Uh, in this, like he did it in his election. He only worried about winning people who vote who he thought would vote for him in key states. He ignored California. Why? Because they had no shot. No shot. So he spent his time where? Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, where Clinton spent no time. What happened? He won. Right. And, and what you just said, you know, when, when two frames meet, the stronger frame always wins. That's, I think it's from uh, Oren Claff's book, Pitch Anything. I think that's yes, right. That heard. book's great. He, that book is a great uh, way of understanding mental frameworks. Yeah, that is a great book. But so my question for you would be, you know, you, we, this whole, uh, we went off on this area because you said the media is so easy to manipulate. So I- explain how this di- uh, talks to that point. And also, why does the media fight back or what should they be doing to fight back differently? W- what are they doing wrong? Okay, so what they're doing wrong is they're arguing um, his frame instead of setting their own frames. So, well, first of all, there's a couple problems. First off, the media, um, they, they're, in, in the eyes of most Americans, they're not legitimate. Like, you look at, like, like uh, rankings of legitimacy, uh, I feel like um, they're, like, fourth. Like, uh, like Congress is at the bottom. The pro- Trump, Trump's, uh, it's funny, everyone talks about, like, Trump's low approval rating, and it is low. It's higher than the media's. So, like, so that's, what's, that's why he's winning these debates, is because he is more credible than his opponent, and he's setting better frames. Right? And so what they need to do is they need to figure out what's really uh, uh, broken with him, and they need to hammer those things. And they've done it a few times, like um, calling him dangerous, calling him unpredictable, uh, calling him, you know, un-American, dark... Um, uh, you know, like those sorts of things. Most Americans don't really care, to be honest, about free press. Um, and I don't mean it's not an important right. I think it's the most important right in this country. But Americans don't care about the things the press. About. The press arguing about things Americans don't care about, instead of American arguing about things that Americans care about. And, and you, you said something earlier that I want to touch back on, as you said, objectivity in, in media is a lie. So, so how does that connect to all this? Is that is it that they are being too subjective, or are they not setting strong enough frames? Or, or and or and is this an opportunity for anybody who knows how to manipulate the media to to turn it to their advantage? Yes, yes, it is. So, um, all right, look. So to tie all this back to to what your listeners care about is, you need to understand that everyone, all media, are just human beings. Right? There's no, there's no media algorithm anywhere. There might be in five or ten years, but there is not now. There is no media algorithm, and there is no objective set of standards. There are just a collection of human beings that have decided on standards that some of them uphold and some of them don't. Right? And so what Trump understands is all that is bullshit, and he can manipulate and break that. 
And, and what media people don't understand, they think there's some objective standard. Here's a great example of this are grammar rules. Like, like everyone jokes about grammar Nazis, right? But like, do you understand that every grammar rule is completely made up? Totally 100% made up. Like, there is no such thing as a, as a real grammar rule. There are only things that we agree on and that we use to help uh, in communication. But, like, people are coming in like, oh, you know, you, you can't say there. It's got to be he, she, you know, indefinite pronouns. Shut up, you nerd. Like, that is absolutely wrong. That is a rule that people have agreed on. And maybe it's not a right rule and that other people want to use it, right? But... So the, the people who are grammar Nazis are the same type of people who think there's an objective media. There's not. It's an illusion, okay? Now, so what does that mean? It means that when you're trying to get media, you need to think of who, first off, who am I trying to reach? Who's the media I'm trying to reach them through? What do those people care about, right? And so what Trump has realized, and he's really the first politician who's truly exploited, the first one who exploited it at all was Obama, and Trump was the first one who broke it. That politicians no longer have to go through media. Now they can go directly to people. And they can make their arguments directly to people. And so media now, uh, like the mainstream media, are scrambling. They're constantly in catch-up mode because they still won't recognize this because they're all old people who grew up in a world that, that is gone. And so they don't get this, right? And Trump exploits that, and Obama used to exploit that. He was the first one to exploit it all, and Trump just exploits it all day long. Like, uh, uh, Trump is a master at this. And so now what people, uh, like, if you want to get to, to you, you, if you crack media the way Trump does, what you have to understand is, who am I trying to reach? How do I reach them? How can I use media to do it? And here's the key question. How can I give media something they want to get them to promote me to the audience I want? That's actually what Trump also does. Because here's the thing. Whenever media covers Trump, it induces two things. Rage against his opponents, which is what? Drives clicks. Drives page views, which is all the media subsists on. And it also drives confirmation bias in Trump supporters. So what you get every time media covers Trump, they get huge explosions in traffic. So they get addicted to it the way we're, uh, humans get addicted to drugs or junk food, right? So that's why they keep covering him, uh, even though they hate themselves for it and they hate doing it because it gets them what they have to have to live, which is traffic. Right. And, and this, this brings us to a good, good segue. I think Ryan Holiday talks about this in, in his book, Trust Me, I'm Lying, which is that... You, you know Ryan was my first assistant, right? I trained him. <laughs> well, literally, I, I, I helped Ryan write that book. I trained him. That's great. So, so you're the perfect person to talk to about this. So he talks about just this fact that media, all they really, at the end of the day, care about is clicks. What will get as many page views as possible? So, so c connecting this to, let's say, SaaS companies or companies in general, there's usually somebody leading PR or PR initiatives, right? right. And, and, and I don't think the, the, there's a deep enough understanding of this fact that media at the end of the day only cares about page views. So what are your thoughts on that? Yes. So uh, I, I would actually dig even deeper. It's not just page views. Media care about sending the right signals to the people they care about, right? So let me give you a great example that it's not actually just about page views. Uh, the first example I already told you about, um, Airbnb, right? Uh, 
um, uh, when they talked about um, giving free room and board uh, uh, to to people uh, put out by this by the Trump order, uh, a bunch of media people retweeted that. They wrote stories on that. They did all. They they promoted the hell out of that initiative. That actually wasn't about page views. A lot of that stuff didn't drive a lot of page views for them. They did it. Why? Why do you think they did that? Do you know why? Because it spoke to their audience. Yes, it's virtue signaling. Right. They made themselves look good by promoting something that they thought was the right virtue. I'm a good person by associating myself. And talking about loudly how great this thing Airbnb is doing. So they're virtue signaling, right? So virtue signaling often does not drive page views, but it's very powerful. Very, 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 very powerful in terms of getting media to cover what you want. If you let, so do two things. Show media, give media something that they know will drive page views because that will make them money. Or give them something that they can talk about that will make them look good to the people they want to look good to. And whether that's agreeing with you or disagreeing with you. Uh, exactly. So that's what Trump does too. Everyone in, People in media now are falling down over themselves to loudly denounce Trump. Like, they, like they, they, Sarah Silverman went so far as to be like, what did she She said like some shit that the Secret Service showed up at her house. Like, we need to burn down the White House and some crazy thing, like like crazy stuff, like because because they are all trying to outdo each other, um, to to virtue signal. Look at how good I am. I'm so good. I want to kill Trump. You know, well, I'm so good. I want to burn down the White House and kill his family. Like I'm so good. I'm you know whatever. Like virtue signaling is the opposite of rage profiteering. Right, right, and, and so. Let's say now I'm trying to get somebody. Let's 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 use Wild Apricot as an example. I want people to cover the 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 software that we're offering. How can we leverage the same the these same concepts in that place to get covered by media? Right. So, uh, great question. So, you guys do membership software, right? Yeah, for nonprofits. Okay. okay right. No one gives a fuck about membership software. Okay. No <laughs> right. one cares. In the, in the media, right? yes, I agree. Right. I care. Right. Right. No, no, but yeah, I mean, I like you. you care. The membership software. So, okay, so, great. Yeah. So, what do you do that's interesting? Okay, what you do is you allow nonprofits to do all kinds of great things, right? I mean, you could probably list twenty things that you allow nonprofits to do. So, what the story needs to be is how, um, uh, like in this media environment, what I would do is how in uh, uh, something I would tie a bunch of things together. You want to go nuts for you, so you're Indian immigrant or parents a kid of immigrants who uh is giving free uh software to some nonprofit in america that's helping to fight trump uh with other immigrants right so the story there is immigrants uh use freedom to bound together to fight trump and, and you know like wild apricots the way they do it and so it's mentioned a couple times whatever but that that now it's like total virtue signaling out the ass you see? And that's, that's worth covering by the media versus... Yes. Because the story is immigrants helping other... Using American freedom to help other immigrants. Look at how great this... Uh, to fight Trump. Look at how great this is. Look at how amazing this is. These are the virtues we want to endorse and we want to uh, give uh, air and, and, and breath to. You right. see? Uh, right. And, and, and I, would, I guess what you're trying to say is that for the most part, when companies are out there doing PR work, it's usually... 
a lot of chest beating. We have the best software that does X, Y, Z. We have X amount of customers, you know, that, that kind of thing, right? Which is not the right way to get attention. Because no one cares about your company, right? Like, dude, my, my, my company, Book in a Box, yeah. we help people turn their ideas into books, right? But no one cares about our process. I made this mistake. It's so funny. I'm so good at understanding this with other people. And when I first started my company, I made the same mistake. Like our, our website, if you go to bookinabox.com, you look at it now, it's the opposite. But at the very beginning, you can maybe go in the Wayback Machine. The, the, the site talked about our process. And, and our process is amazing. And it's like this new innovative thing. And all I want to do is talk about it. And no one gave a shit. No one cared at all about our process because it's, it doesn't have anything to do with them. Right? So now if you go, go just go look at the video on the top of bookinabox.com. It is all authors talking about how the books changed their lives and how amazing they are now that they have a book and they're an author, right? And so it's all about them, and it's all about what they get if they work with us, but it doesn't mention us. It's just what you get, right? And so it's, 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 it's all that, and now the website, people love, I mean, like, the people, design firms come to us to be clients, and they comment about how much they love our website and stuff, because it's not that well designed. I mean, it's fine. It's very mediocre design, um, the video is beautifully shot and it is totally focused on the individual. And so people, f- people project all this great stuff on it because when they watch our video, they see ourselves themselves. They see themselves in that story, right? So if you can tell a story, uh, where you make the, your customer, the hero in a cool narrative they want to be in, and you're like the mentor that's helping them along or the tool that they use, you are going to get so much coverage and so the story I told you is, uh, that I, I pitched you is a very extreme way that the journalist would want to cover you and what you're doing and your software company just as, as because it fills in the gaps of the story. You know? right. and, and by a story they want to cover, you know, like you're saying like the hero's journey and you're kind of like the Yoda figure, if you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so in, in, in the story I pitched you about you helping other immigrants organize to fight Trump. The heroes are you and the other immigrants, right? Your your wild apricot is the mentor Yoda figure that helped. That. And the journalist feels great because look at how great I am. I am giving attention to these amazing immigrants who are fighting Trump. And then you can go the other way around too. You could pitch. I could. I mean, I could tell you how to pitch the other side. Is you could uh, pitch a story about how you're helping make America great again, right? Like how <laughs> no, how you're right. helping. Like, pick someone, middle America, red state, um, you know, like, I'll give you a great example. My wife, she's a nurse. There is no more, I think on that, that, that list I was talking about, about trusted professions, I think nurse is number one. It might be number two or three, but it's way up at the top. Everyone trusts nurses. She actually is starting a nurses, like a, a, like a membership type thing. She's, got, she's a nurse and has her own business, and there's a bunch of independent practice. Texas is going to soon allow nurses to practice independently. And so uh, she's going to start basically a business where she teaches nurses how to do that. And it's going to be like membership sort of based, right? So what you should do is, like if she were a client of yours, a story about look at how amazing this woman is who's a nurse in Texas who's helping other women in Texas start businesses. Isn't that incredible? Oh, by the way, she uses cool software, Wild Apricot, to do it. It's just, it's just part of the story. It's just how she does it, right? But the story is uh, this uh, red-blooded, white American woman making America great again uh, in, you know, in Texas. So your software can appeal to both sides and tell either story because 
It can help anyone do anything that they want, almost. See? It's, just, it's just about positioning the right story. Um, tell me this. So, uh, how, many, how many forms of these stories does it take to reach the level of impact? I mean, obviously not every software company is going to reach Donald Trump-like coverage, but how, many, how much effort do you need to put in and to get that much mass appeal going or conversations going about your, your platform? Is it one article, ten articles, five? That, it's a great question. So... Um, uh, there is not a hard and fast answer to this. We, we, I've written articles that have gotten us hundreds of thousands of dollars of business. And I've written other articles that I thought were just as good that like were a fart in the wind. Nothing. Um, so, but here's the thing. Here's the mistake I see most people making. They try and get a lot of people to pay attention to them. Right? Like for you, like the, the story I pitched about immigrant helping other immigrants fight Trump, I bet you that would even if it was front page of New York Times, I bet you it wouldn't convert that well for you guys. Because, do you know why? Because the people reading that are going to be people who are either angry at Trump or angry at the media for, for mis, uh, misportraying Trump or whatever, right? It's either pro-Trump or anti-Trump. It's not people who are looking to solve a problem. And so, like, what, when you're trying to get... A lot of people want attention in media because it feels sexy and it feels good. They feel like, oh, man, I'm front page of New York Times. Uh, you've been in business a long time and so have I. I think you know what I know. I don't give a shit about sexy attention. I give a shit about attention that converts. That converts, right. Yes. And so the way to get attention that converts is to ignore all of that. Do not do that. Like If you're, if, if you're Milo, uh, whatever that dude, uh, Yiannopoulos or whatever... That can uh, that sort of attention is great. If you're trying to sell stuff, that's not it. Doesn't convert. You need to get in front of people who are have the problem that your software uh, is solving, and you need to get in front of them in a way where they're looking for the solution to that problem, right? So for so for you, it's like someone trying to start a small business. There's so much stuff out there, so many uh, media sources that are directly positioned for people trying to start small businesses, right? And so you need to be telling small business triumph stories to, uh, in those uh, media uh, uh, places. Like uh, That's where people are looking for solutions to this. Does that make sense? It does. It does, and it comes back to those those three questions that you were saying: is you know, uh, who are you trying to get in front of? What what can you talk about in front of them, and how can you get the media to kind of cover that topic? Exactly. So so a good example, um, like uh, uh, I'll give you a great guy. Ramit Sethi is a guy. He doesn't really do maybe a lot of stuff, but like his audience is exactly your audience. They're all people who want to be coaches, who want to have membership groups, who want to whatever. And so like like. Him, if I were you, I would try really hard to get him to interview me uh, uh, for his audience. I bet you'll convert a ton of people out of that because that's your exact audience, right? So who else? Noah Kagan. Okay, dork, right? That's another dude who speaks exactly to your audience. And I could totally see Noah loving you and you doing a piece like that Noah would totally want to put either on his blog or do an AppSumo type deal or whatever. And what's funny is people think, oh, media means Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Economist. Bullshit. Noah Kagan can reach just as many people, if not more. Media means a list. <laughs> yes. It means, do you have an audience? Yes. Is you have an audience. audience yeah. Yes. Exactly. Right. Okay. And, and so, so 
I think, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this, which is like clouds and dirt, right? So we've been talking about this concept in the clouds for the longest time. So what does this look like in practice? Like there's probably somebody listening who is the head of PR, but it's a team of one or two, three people for a SaaS company. What, what does it look like day to day? What should they be doing in order to get this kind of coverage? Okay, so um, let's walk through. First thing you have to do is you have to ask, who the fuck of our, where are, who are our customers? Do you have a very clear customer avatar, right? And if you don't, then you got to, I'm sure you've done episodes about that. Go listen to the episode about customer avatars. Right. All right. So first make sure you have a very, so you know exactly who your customer is. It's, you know, uh, uh, homemakers in red states. It's, uh, you know, hipsters in blue states. Uh, you know, hipsters who are 25 to 30 in blue states, whatever. It should be very, very clear, all right? Number one, who are we trying to talk to? Number two, where do those people get their media? That's, the, that's super important because it is probably not the New York Times. You're trying to get the Times to cover you. The Times has a very small audience. They, they happen to be influential. They happen to be uh, visible. They are not big, right? For a lot of SaaS companies, you'd be better off on The Blaze than you would on The New York Times. The Blaze is like Glenn Beck's thing, right? But they don't realize that because they read the New York Times and think, oh, all our customers read. No, no, they don't. Like for someone like you, I bet, I don't know what your audience your, your audience is, but I bet you it's not the New York Times, right? So you know very clearly where does your audience get your media. So you need, and, like, and not like vaguely, like you need to have as much as possible demographic research. And I'll tell you how, every single media source, uh, meaning like every single media source that, 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 um, takes ads, has a media guide. Like they have their, uh, their, their media buying guide. Because these people called media buyers buy ads and you know, New York Times, whatever. And those people demand very clear psychographic demographic data. You can download that for free on every media site, right? And you can look at, okay, New York Times says that their readership is 45 to 60, uh, pr primarily coastal, uh, big city, it's whatever, right? So like, uh, like you need to, if you're going to go look at like mainstream type media that takes ads, they, they have that data. Uh, I would also interview your current customers. Where do you get your media? What, what places do you, you know, where do you find us or what places do you look to? What email list are you on? Right? Things like that. Then once you know who those media are, let's just you pick the five places, the tens that your customers are hanging out. Every single one, ask yourself, what can we offer that media source that will be appealing to them, right? So let's say you have a SaaS company that helps people, uh, uh, I mean, we can just take you, like, so, so like, it helps nonprofits run membership sites. Okay, I guarantee you there are nonprofit communities online, like, yep. like uh, uh, you know, uh, message boards or whatever, right? Yep. I would, I, like, I would go to every single one and just go to them and say, how can we partner with you? Uh, do you can we do sponsorships? Can we do partnerships and referral fees? Uh, what, kind of content do your, that, what kind of content do your members want? Right? And they'll tell you a bunch of things. You can't produce all of it, but the things you can, do it. Right? What's, what are your people like? What do they want? What helps them? What are the problems they have? Right? Mm -hmm. You've already got software to help these people. Now you need to build something that, that, that a media source will want to push to those people uh, because it'll make that media source look good. So you take something to that message board or it gets them something they want. So you go to them and say, we can partner with you 
and everyone who signs up gets a fee, then they get money. They want that. Or we'll produce this amazing content that you can give to your audience for free, and they're going to love you and think you're amazing, and it promotes you. So you got to give them what they want so they will promote you to the people you want. Right. That's great advice, man. Great step-by-step stuff. Um, getting close to wrapping up. There's, By the way, there's a fire alarm going on around here. and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick my through it. It's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick through it. I'll survive, I think. Uh, but just, just to wrap up, just, do you think PR can work for anybody? No. No? No, because what PR... PR boils down to soulless people selling bullshit that no one wants. Right? <laughs> Seriously, that's really what it is. Like uh, um, PR and advertising, I look. I think about PR as the price you pay for having unremarkable products or services. Right. right? Um, it doesn't mean if you're doing in-house PR. I mean, like if you go hire a PR firm, like right. uh, you got to. You're paying people to figure out a way to shill stuff. Right. Right. Whereas, but if you have a software product that solves a real problem that real people have, you, the only thing you need to do is get in front of those people in a way where they can understand how you can help them. Right. You know. Right. So you don't necessarily need to go the PR route to to get in front of those people. I, mean, I think old David Ogilvy said it. Adver- advertising is a tax you pay for having unremarkable products. Right. You know, and, and so too many people try and advertise their stuff to everyone. They want to be covered in sexy media to look good to investors or to think they're, they're cool. or th- That shit doesn't sell, man. If you want to play that game, don't, don't listen to this podcast. Right. Go talk to some asshole who will tell you how to raise money. Because then TechCrunch will cover you and everyone will congratulate you. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, it's like if you, someone buys a house, like, oh, congratulations on going into debt. Like, what? Right, right. Right. I, I, congratulate me because I, I have a, you know ten million dollar a year annual recurring revenue. Right. You know. Right. And 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 PR takes a lot of time and money that can be spent better if you were you actually spend it on other acquisition channels. If you don't know your customers so well to know who they are, what they want, and where they're hanging out, you you no PR company is going to help you. Right. You got bigger problems. Yeah. You got to start there. Right. Yep. Okay. Uh, any any final things you want to say before we wrap up? No, no, no. Just uh, like this is simple to understand, but hard to do, and, and everything in business uh, th- that's important is that way. Right. Fundamentals and work the fundamentals. Well, well. Last thing for me, man. I really want to appreciate you for being on. It was a unorthodox episode. We usually focus on very direct topics, but I think this is a really good topic that SaaS companies and companies in general can benefit from because PR is something that they get wrong all the time, and who there's nobody to speak about this uh, better than you. So thanks for doing this. Awesome, my pleasure, man. That's it for today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and to check us out at www.howtosass.com, and we will see you next time.